I want to continue on the series that we have started here, um, but we're taking a little bit of a turn. We were working from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3. If you remember, uh, you will joyously draw water out of the well of salvation. That was the, the main verse that we were working uh, off of. And uh, we talked about uh, how we need to go through certain doors of grace that will prepare us to joyously draw water out of the well. And the well of salvation is Jesus Christ. So we have not yet gotten to the process of drawing that water out. We're still in the process of, you remember this? Okay, we are um, discriminating in the process of setting ourselves up for that uh, power and in, in, uh, um, opportunity for the Holy Spirit to minister the drawing water out of, uh, out of the well. So if, if you give me a slide here, uh, the first one here, there is uh, uh, by Thomas Morton. The whole purpose of a spiritual direction is to penetrate beneath the surface of a man's life, to get behind the facade of conventional gestures and attitudes which he presents to the world, and to bring out his inner spiritual freedom. I like that. His innermost truth, which is what we call the likeness of Christ in the soul. So I want to talk to you about spiritual freedom. That is one of the first uh, treasures God has deposited in the well for us. So I really want uh, all ears, all hearts to, to really be focusing on the word that we're looking at today. Because we are, we're turning around, we're getting into some of the uh, adornments that God wants to do with us. For that I want to uh, uh, bring out a certain verse from Ezekiel chapter 16. I'm going to divide it into, into a few parts and set the, the, the course for the next few weeks that we're spending together. Is that okay? Come on, wave at me. Are you, are you here this morning? All right. Give me Ezekiel chapter 16. And then it's a little bit lengthy, but I'm going to read fast and then uh, uh, connect with something and then we'll jump into the word for today. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloth. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born, you were despised." Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. Hallelujah. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breasts had formed and your hair had grown. Read with me, yet. And then verse 8 Later, I passed by, and when I looked at you, I saw that you were old enough for love. I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered you, 
naked body. I give you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you. Declare, sovereign Lord, you became mine. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put uh, ointment on you. I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put sandals and fine leather on you. I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garment. I adorned you with jewelry. I'm going to divide this verse and shortly pray and jump into where we're going. Give me the, the map where we're going. Jump to the slide, okay? We're talking about God's redemptive work. I just want you to get this. Uh, don't, don't, don't have your, your attention scattered, okay? This, we're talking about God's redemptive work for length of time. From the very beginning that God started, created humanity, created creation, he is in the business of redemptive work. What happens? Give me the, okay, the entire thing is the redemptive work. Give me the, the two divisions there, please. Okay, go ahead. Okay. That was the process of deliverance. A section of that redemptive work was. Remember from the verse that we read, I passed by you was repeated two times. The first one, when I passed by you, I saw you in trouble. You were, nobody showed you pity. Uh, You were left alone. You were hated. You were despised. So I said, live. That's a redemptive word. That's a, God's declaration on a non-believer to live, to have a spiritual life. That's the first section of the redemptive work. But then verse 7, if you remember in chapter 16, verse 7, I want to read that for you. At the very end, I asked you to repeat it with me. It says that, but you were naked. Okay, after all that work, you were naked. And then verse 8 begins with this. He says that, then I passed by you and saw you again. Hallelujah. Come on, church. So we're talking about the second section of the, the, the redemptive work. Come on, give, give me the two. Okay. Okay, then after seeing that person, the same person the second time, It wasn't about living. It wasn't about redemptive. uh, It wasn't about righteousness. It wasn't about salvation. It was more about what? Sanctification. It was more about adornment. Okay, that's the turn I want to take with you for the rest of the week here. And then the section between the first I came by you and saw you to the second I came by you and saw you was the nakedness of that person. Remember two weeks ago, if, we, if you remember, we talked about the Word of God. One of the purposes of the Word of God is to, to, to make us what? Completely naked in the presence of the Lord. So the way we prepare a group of people, the church, for the next visitation of the work of grace is to allow everybody to be completely naked. Can somebody say Amen. I don't know what's happening this morning, but hallelujah, we're going to have a great time. So whenever we're not, remember, when Adam sinned, what happened? Give me, give me, uh, first time they found out there were, what, what, what did they do after that? 
cover themselves. And then when God came looking for them, they were hid. God says, where are you? And what did they say? I am naked, but they have already covered themselves. Remember, they've done something to cover themselves, but they, they knew it wasn't good enough to stand the penetrating side of God. So still they hid themselves. So what God is trying to do to start this business of adornment in the church is to take off of all the clothing that we have made for ourselves. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on. Somebody say amen. So this is why we don't like, we don't feel comfortable in the church when the word of God starts undressing us, taking all those junk that the society, the culture has put on us. God wants to see us how he created us. When he created them, both of them were naked and they were not ashamed of each other. God never created somebody with a cover, although they had a spiritual covering. Come on, church, hallelujah. Somebody say freedom. So what God is saying is once I come and connect with you and say live, I want you to return to the creation idea of being naked in my presence. When you are completely naked, then I look at you and I start the process of adornment. I, I will allow you to draw water joyously out of the well of salvation. That means that you start, he starts beautifying you. Hallelujah. The church is suffering because of this. Let me tell you something. When you are talking to a person, the, the, the first concern for our conversation is, are you saved? You know what I'm talking about? Do you know the Lord? They say, yes. Ah, oh, we breathe a sigh of relief. You know the Lord? Yes. We stop right there. As if every investment of God in a person's life is for salvation alone. Come on, church. Hallelujah. You see that? But God says that's just a section of the redemptive work. Somebody is saved. But I want to come back and see them. When I see them naked and prepared for the process of adornment, I want a new work to be done. Now that Christian walk out of here with the beauty, with adornment. Hallelujah. Come on, church. So the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is doing some work in us. That Christians are set apart, not because of what we wear, like a cross on your neck, but now you're set apart because of your adornment. There is a spiritual adornment that you wear. Come on, church, hallelujah. Praise God. One of those adornments that God starts working with is freedom. Spiritual freedom. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight, this morning. Spiritual freedom. Can, can, can one person yell out freedom, please? Spiritual freedom. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're coming into your uh, presence this morning to be adorned by you. Lord, it is my prayer that we, if each individual in this building will have an encounter with you, Lord, that they will begin by adorning themselves through the Holy Spirit and gain their freedom this morning. Every spiritual bondage will go. 
spiritual freedom will replace it, and people will see and know that they have been set free by the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. So we're talking about freedom. Why is freedom so important? I want, to, I want, to, uh, I want us together to read uh, uh, three verses from the scripture that puts freedom in the central work of uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Give me, give me the verses. I wish I had the... Give, give me the... Okay, let's read this together. Galatians 5.1. For freedom... Stand firm then, and do not be subject. Read the first portion one more time, please. Some translation, it says, uh, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. How many are set free here? Let 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 me see your hands. Hallelujah. It is for freedom. It is for freedom, the perp- for the purpose of adorning you with freedom that Jesus Christ died for you. So it is not only going to heaven, it is not only getting out of the clutches of Satan. If you are all doing all that but have freedom or not have freedom, you're not totally free. So Christ's death is mainly for the purpose of setting us free. So we got to know what freedom is. In fact, uh, Isaiah 61, do you have Isaiah 61? If you, if, you, if you don't have it, Isaiah 61, you remember the, the ministry of Jesus Christ. He quoted from Isaiah 61 when he started ministry in Luke chapter 4. He said that I was sent to set captives free, to declare liberty to those who are in prison. That is the very purpose of my coming into this world, is to set people free. So in the Christian language, we call that freedom, or we started labeling that freedom, only being set free from the clutches of Satan. Look, uh, brothers and sisters, I don't think freedom stops there. Really, freedom does not stop there. In fact, the Bible says, uh, give me 13 here before we jump into 5.13. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your flesh, but through love serve one another. I want to stop here, and I really want... I'm not trying to convince you when I am speaking with passion. In fact, what I'm trying to do is uh, preparing the groundwork for the Holy Spirit to minister to you. You know how he works? He doesn't surprise people. That's why he sends his work, his uh, word, to prepare the mindset of his people. Once the word has gone out, He takes full liberty to pull you into freedom. Okay? Once you enter the freedom that the Holy Spirit gives, you are free from bondages you did not even know you had. Come on, church. 
You didn't even know that it was a bondage. You thought it was a family custom. You thought it was something to be proud of. So what, 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 I'm, what I'm trying to do is, is it is not me to you. What I'm trying to do is that releasing the word of truth in the environment. So when we do pray, the Holy Spirit has a ladder, a pathway to your heart. Because the word has already gone out. That's why I am in full liberty preaching the word of freedom in this place. I know for sure. Mark this. Write it down. I know the Holy Spirit is going to start a magnificent work of freedom in this church. Something that has not been experienced before. To a lot of people, it appears as if they have lost their mind. Paul says that if we have lost our mind, we have lost our minds for the sake of Christ. Hallelujah. So we're not crazy. Don't put us in mental hospital. This is the freedom of the Holy Spirit where we experience in, our pre in the presence of our King. It is only through the word that has been released that God starts working in our heart. What is this freedom? What does it do? Why is it primary work for God to adorn us with the work of freedom? I'm going to give you three things quickly. Number one. It enhances the capacity to portray, to display God in fullness. Spiritual freedom enhances your capacity to display God. Romans 8, quickly please. Romans 8. This is a very familiar verse, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little spin on it for our purpose here, okay? For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of God who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will also be free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of, ha, huh, come on, read it with me. God's, okay, when you are free, creation is going to be free. Creation is expecting and looking for the sons of God to be free, to act free. So that freedom will bring them freedom. Come on, church, hallelujah. So as we go out from here, trees, shrubs, everything is looking at a Christian to see if you have, you are experiencing, you're practicing your freedom. That's what it means, the sons of God. When the mature sons of God understand how to display God, how to portray God through their life, that's when creation regains freedom. How am I talking to you? Oh, come on. Hallelujah. My question is, why is creation groaning to get out of this bondage? Why? We humans understand the promises of God. We understand we were created higher. So by sin, we fell. Because of that, we want to, 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 to be back into our creation position. That is understandable. Creation? Why? Trees, grass, mountains, rivers. Why would they yearn for freedom? Because freedom 
Lack of freedom diminishes your capacity to express God. In Psalms 19, what does the Bible say? Creation displays the glory of God. By being subjected to the futility of sin, they lost that capacity of displaying the fullness of God. So what are these talking to each other? If we were to hear their language, they're saying that I cannot display my God in full glory because I'm in bondage. Who will set me free from this bondage so I can show him, display him freely? Lack of freedom, brothers and sisters, diminishes our capacity to show the presence of the Holy Spirit in our, in our uh, congregation. So sometimes we say that the Holy Spirit is here. Some people who have learned or taught to display the, the, uh, or, or portray or show, depict the presence of the Lord are no longer able to do that because they are in bondage in the church. Forgive me. The Spirit comes to you, wants to speak through you, wants to express Himself through your loving, through your words. Because you don't have the freedom to do so, you squash the little voice that is inside you to say, do this. Can I, can I have a witness? Those type of people sit in a church for weeks, months, and they say, man, I'm, I'm dying here. It's in the church of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we wonder, why do people say that? We're preaching the word. We have a worship team. But that does not set you free. That does not set you free. So people are in bondage in the body of Christ. So what the Holy Spirit wants to do is the Holy Spirit wants to come and set you free. When he sets you free, you have the capacity, bigger capacity, higher capacity to display the presence of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. Liberty. So if I ask you today, is the Holy Spirit here? Come on, talk to me. Yes, but how do you see it? Because when it, where, where he is, there must be a, a proof by what? By freedom. Come on, church, hallelujah. If there is no freedom, how can you say the spirit who gives freedom is here? You can't. So the Bible says wherever the Holy Spirit is, there is where? Freedom. So we don't have to prove the presence of the Holy Spirit in any other way or blindly accept the word. But you have to see it through the manifestation of freedom. Hallelujah. Come on, we will get there someday. 
someday. I, I really pray for this church to rise up. But because the Spirit of God is, is, is speaking to me what He wants to do here. That freedom, that unrestricted demonstration of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Ha! Hallelujah! That's a beauty! You know what? Whatever God created in the scripture, you go look. What was the fall of Satan? Talk to me. Pride. Why was he proud? God created in such an exquisite. Okay, if Satan was created that way, a serving angel, how, what do you look like in the spirit realm? You who have the image of the living God, what do you look like in this? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, church. That's the beauty that uh, Ezekiel chapter 16 is talking. I will adorn my church. I came back a second time. I looked at you and I said, it's time to adorn you. Because you were ready for it. Ah. So what, what, what is this freedom then? If God is intentionally after this, I'm just going to give you three main areas of expression of freedom, okay? One is in the area of sight. Okay? Freedom in sight. Those people in the natural world that do not have the natural sight, we feel bad for them, right? The blind people. We, in fact, they were chasing after Jesus Christ to be healed. Because they didn't have the natural ability to see. And we, some of us here, who, who have the, that, that ability of the, in, in the natural to see, we think that that's the maximum gift of sight. But when the Holy Spirit comes, there is another spiritual dimension to sight. Okay? This is what we call freedom. Now the spectrum, blind, natural sight, spiritual sight. So the Holy Spirit's adornment will take you into, from the natural sight, into the spiritual sight. Come on, come on, church. Come on, come on, come on. We're getting, we're getting down now. All right, you're, the biggest disagreement and problem in the church is between those that are not completely blind but between the natural people who have sight and the spiritual people who have spiritual sight. That's the biggest problem in the church. With Jesus Christ, he said that, you Pharisees, you say that you see, but you only see in the natural. I see in the spiritual, so there is no agreement between me and you. Church, hallelujah, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So this is, when he comes, he wants to give us, the spectrum gets wider when the Holy Spirit comes here. You start seeing into the unseen. Bad reports come to you, but your sight goes beyond the bad report into the God who holds the bad report. Come on, church, hallelujah. 
Now you are untouchable. You see beyond. That's a spiritual freedom. It's a spiritual freedom. Some of us, God allows us to see behind your life. We give word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and people consider us crazy. You know why? Because they live in the natural. They don't see it. You remember Gehazi, Elisha's servant? He was making breakfast one morning and they were surrounded by the enemy. He came into the tent and said, man of God, there's no reason for us to eat. We're going to die anyways. Look, we are surrounded. And Elisha said, oh man, you only see in the natural. This is your problem. You see enemies. He said, Lord Jesus, would you open his eyes? Ah! Come on, church. When his eyes opened and he saw more army on their side, he was relieved. He said, oh, my goodness. I wish I, wish I had always lived in this altitude right here. Where's, oh. Somebody say freedom. Come on, church. One biggest area is a spiritual sight. You don't come to church because of what you see. It's because of what you see. <laughs> Do you see it? When the word is released, you go beyond. Because the spirit of freedom is here. The second thing is in hearing. Hearing. I work in a mental health uh, uh, environment in an auditory hallucination is, uh, is uh, a reason for you to be sent into a hospital when you start hearing voices. But for Christians, we do not have an auditory hallucination. We have auditory freedom. We hear things. Hallelujah. You pray and you hear things. The Holy Spirit says, I am with you. Do not fret. That's all you need. That's all you need. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ was the master in this. People surrounding him and they say, Lord, they're, they're seeking to kill you. But he hears a different drumbeat. <laughs> Give him glory. Hallelujah. This is the freedom the Holy Spirit wants to bring into the church. You don't hear what is being preached. You hear what is additional from the Holy Spirit on the preaching. You, how many, how many want that kind of freedom? Come on, come on. Come on, church. This is what God, the Holy Spirit, wants to do. The third one, and maybe the most difficult, that's why I put it to the third and the last one for the Minnesotan people is emotion. <laughs> I really, really, really take time fasting that the Lord will break this bondage from the church of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's a huge problem more than you realize. The mark of the Holy Spirit's presence mostly is because on one side, people start feeling 
overwhelming sadness about what he is convicting them. So they cry. How many times have you seen tears in the church here? If they start coming, we do this. Spiritual freedom. Joy. The spectrum of emotion will be released when the Holy Spirit is functioning in your life. You're not stoic all the time. I'm not, I'm not talking about a culture, guys. Please, forgive me. There was a prophet in the, in, in, in the Bible that was a, a king's servant was sent over to him to ask if uh, the king would survive or not. And as, as the servant approaches, the prophet cried. He cried, seriously cried. So the servant said, my Lord, what is wrong? And the prophet said this, the Lord is showing me that your king will die, you will occupy the position, and you kill so many children of the mothers of Israel. You see that? After seeing into decades in the future, his emotions were touched. He cried. Holy Spirit wants a soft heart. He wants a spectrum of emotions to be displayed here. We're not here as, uh, I don't even have a word for it. I'm begging you, press into the freedom that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. That's your adornment. Don't hide it. If you need to cry, cry. That's your beauty. That's your beauty. What would happen if you start playing a guitar and as soon as you touch the, touch the strings, the strings are not responding to what you want to make their, the, 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 the uh, musical tone from. It's like that. The Holy Spirit comes into your emotion and wants to play. And you don't have response to that emotion. He jumps to your neighbor. Give him that. I would rather be called the son of God than Minnesotan all my life. <laughs> would you? We don't need this culture. If it doesn't express my, my God, I don't need it. My Ethiopian culture, I've, I've set so many of them up, cut, cut them off from me. Because they don't allow for the expression of God in my life. How many marriages are suffering because of this? How many raising of children is stifled because we don't express our emotions? But that's your beauty. God came to give you that beauty. Are you here, to, here this morning? Come on, come on, come on. Come on, show me, please. That's the freedom that we want in the church. Okay? We start today. Somebody cry freedom, huh? Freedom. Come on, somebody cry freedom. freedom. This is how we start. We practice in the church. This is our Father's house. We participate in the worshiping and everything. Second, in, first, it enhances capacity. Second, it boosts 
strong relationship with God. Freedom. I'm defining freedom, spiritual freedom here. Let me give you Galatians chapter 1. This is a very interesting thing. Verse 15 to 16. I don't know if you have it. Shoot it up there if you have it. If not, I'll read it. I think I should do better with Galatians 1. Okay, I'll read it. But, uh, but when it was the good pleasure of God who separated me, this is Paul talking, even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him according, uh, among the Gentiles, straight away I conferred not with flesh and blood. Straight away I conferred not. In decision-making process, Paul says, when you hear from God, what spiritual freedom gives you is that you don't need to come back and confer with flesh and blood about the decisions that you are about to make. Come on, come on, church. How many of you have been cheated out of the will of God because you conferred with flesh and blood? Come on, show me your hands. It's the truth. So Paul is saying one of the decisions God has given me freedom to is that I heard it, I obeyed it. No more conferring with flesh and blood, whether it is for humanity, somewhere else. This is why we were talking about the power of the word of God to divide between spirit and soul. So that you don't turn around and confer with the soul. Soul. What do you think that uh, us obeying the Lord Jesus, uh, is, there, is there any benefit in it? Do you think the soul will say hallelujah? Yes, please. Of course not. Of course not. Let me tell you something that the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart when I was preparing this. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Again, in Galatians chapter uh, verse 11 I believe Paul says this if I am preaching circumcision still why would I be persecuted he's saying that I am persecuted because I am not preaching circumcision circumcision preaching of circumcision is accepted by the populace that's an external freedom. But Paul is relying more on the internal freedom and practicing the internal freedom, even though it costs them an external persecution. Anybody here? In the Western society, the preferred Freedom is the external freedom. We fight for the external freedom. But in the biblical understanding, in fact, leaving the external freedom tight will activate the internal freedom more. This is maybe, maybe very difficult for you to understand. That's why in countries that there is persecution from outside, the church is erupting. Yeah. 
You know why? They're not relying on the external freedom. They're free. (laughs) Come on, give them praise. The second one freedom is important is that it allows you to make decision without entangling you with any external circumstances. Come on, church. One of the biggest, most important work of the Holy Spirit is to get you to this point right here. I wish I had time to to give you a lot of testimonies on this. Where the Holy Spirit whispered to my ears. And what I was about to do was to, would get me casted out of the community. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, I have said this to you. It's up to you to make it true. I knew. If I took any step into that direction, I'm cut off from the community that I love. But God says, you got to do this. And it was only dark for a moment. Once I made that decision, it it started, it, it got darker for a moment. Beyond that darkness, though. God is asking you even today as you sit here to come enter into that freedom. It's important. Lastly, and the third reason why, spiritual freedom is an inoculation against hypocrisy. When you are spiritually free, you don't have to pretend. I know when it gets quieter, you know what's happening? The incision is going deeper. You know what the word hypocrisy means? It's a theatrical word. When you are taking a place of someone as an actor or actress, that's what it means by hypocrisy. It's not your position. You're taking somebody else's position to be accepted, to be liked. So Jesus Christ was warning his disciples. He said that, be careful from the leaven of Pharisees. You know why he was equating that hypocrisy with leaven? Because leaven is small portion of leaven leavens the whole bread, the whole dough. Hypocrisy sneaks in the church. That's it? I pretend to be a strong pastor. Worship leader pretends to be a strong worship leader. But we go home and we don't even, we don't live it. Ah, come on, 2 Peter says that uh, those who are promising others of freedom, they themselves are in bondage. But when you start experiencing spiritual freedom, you say, no, 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 you're not looking for me. I'm not it. 
Give me, give me a few minutes. I know I've gone over time. You're tired and you're not responding well. <sighs> this is huge in the body of Christ. The freedom that sets you free. You don't have to act a certain way to be, to approach the pastor, to approach the elders. The elders don't need to act a certain way. Because God is doing something deep inside us. Freedom is coming in. Praise God. So hypocrisy is the biggest resistance to the freedom of God, of God, to children of God. And the reason why God wants to give us that freedom is because he wants to set us free from all these problems that will hold us down. Okay, before everybody sneaks out, I'm going to finish here. But I want to pray. I want to pray. I really do want to pray this morning because I know that God wants to do something here. I really do believe that God wants to do something here. 